Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed hour one, please go and listen to it later and share it with someone else. Be a missionary of of this radio ministry. You can do that at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also do it on the Faith Radio app, which my mom is 84 and she knows how to use it. So you can figure it out too. All right. So you're looking for the Faith Radio app. You could just uh, tell the app store to find Mornings with Carmen and it'll it'll populate. You'll find it. It's purple. All right, or go to MyFaithRadio.com and find a little explainer on how to download it if you don't know how. All right, so um, we have uh, a one quick report in this morning from Duluth, where apparently it is a gazillion below zero. So good morning, Duluth. Rise and shine. If you jump out of bed and you do the little rise and shine song with all the hand motions, it will get your blood pumping and you will feel warmer even if you're not. All right, where in the word are you today? I am in Malachi chapter 3. Why? Because God has finally brought me to my word for the year. I tried to choose a word for the year and tell God what my word for the year was going to be. And instead, God kept pressing this word in upon me, kept pressing it and pressing it. And I thought, that's a terrible word. I don't want that word. I don't, I don't want that to be. That's a terrible word. I don't want that word because the word is purge. So I'm in Malachi chapter 3 as I'm studying through the appearances of the word purge in the Bible. Um, and here... God sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Where in the word are you today? Let's be in the word of God before we get out there into the world that God so loves. Up next, we've got Sarah McKenzie. She is going to help us understand why reading aloud is so important with our kids. It's the Read Aloud Revival. It's next. Joining us today is Sarah McKenzie. We're going to talk about reading aloud. It's the readaloudrevival.com, readaloudrevival.com. Sarah, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here. I have a husband who loves to read aloud generation to generation. So he's thrilled that we now have grandchildren to whom he can read aloud because once kids get to a certain point, they're not super big fans of reading aloud. But we do have a special needs teenager and they are um, now reading through a they're reading it aloud to each other. And they're using an audio book as well to help Matthew recognize the words on the page. And so I love this approach. I love this conversation. Let's just start with the power of reading and kids who are really frustrated because they're having a hard time reading. You know, one of the things I think reading aloud or audiobooks, like you mentioned, are so helpful for is that when, especially when kids are learning to read, reading is hard. And anytime, you know, learning to read can be hard. And anytime we're learning how to do something new and it's difficult, 
it's really hard to look forward to that thing. It's hard for us to remember that as adults because we don't have to do as many new hard things as our kids do on a regular basis. But what reading aloud does is it lets us invite our kids into better stories. So even when your child, let's say, can't read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe yet because their reading skills are not there, you can read it to them or they can listen to it or you can listen to it together on audio. And they understand that what they're doing when they learn to read is going to lead them to more stories like this. It's limited in inspiration if a child is learning how to read with an easy reader book. And that's like, they think this is the goal because usually they're not that inspiring. Some of them are. Frog and Toad are the rare exception, right? But there are, uh, there are so many wonderful stories that we can share with our kids because our kids' listening comprehension is so much better or more developed than their reading comprehension. They're able to understand books that we can read to them, and it just gives them this excitement to want to get more stories for themselves. So let's talk about the Read Aloud revival. There is something going on that you have fomented, and it's a part of a conversation (laughs) about the Read Aloud family, um, which is a book, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids. Uh, Which came first, the book or the revival, and how's it going? Okay, that's so fun to talk about. The revival came first, and it's because basically I listened to Andrew Pudua, who is a speaker and the founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing. He speaks at homeschool conferences all over the country and, and has a curriculum. I was listening to him give a talk on how the best things we can do to help our kids become good communicators is to mm. memorize poetry and to read aloud a ton. And he's such an inspiring speaker that after I heard him speak, I thought, okay, I have been reading to my kids, you know, at bedtime, but I'm going to start reading aloud more. And even to my kids who are very capable of reading to themselves. And so we started reading aloud together and also listening to audiobooks a ton. And all the things that Andrew Putua said would happen, like better vocabulary, increased reading comprehension, all of that stuff did take place. But also something I didn't expect happened, and that is these empower, like strengthened relationships and connections, like inside jokes, kind of how after you watch a movie as a family and you're on your way home from the theater uh, and everyone's kind of like pointing out their favorite parts or quoting the favorite, your favorite part of the movie or whatever that was happening with books all the time with my kids. And I also found that on the days that we were kind of prone to butt heads, which sometimes is often, especially as they get older, uh, reading aloud together sort of put us on the same team again. It reminded us we were rooting for the same characters and worried about the same villains and sad at the same moments and holding our breath at the same time. And so it kind of reminded us that we were on the same team. And so I got so excited about what reading aloud was doing in my own home that I thought I'll just start a podcast to talk a couple of episodes with Andrew Putua and some other experts on how this can really help our families. And I thought it was going to be a couple episodes long and it sort of took on a life of its own. And I think now, so now we've got almost 200 episodes. It's been downloaded nearly 10 million times in 160 countries. I think the reason though is because when parents find out thing that they can do, that's very simple. It takes 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, if, if, you know, if you could swing it, uh, is free, does so much for the academic growth of our kids and also for our relationships. It just feels too good to be true. We all get kind of super zealous and excited about it. So then the, the podcast sort of kept going and, uh, the revival sort of lit its own fire and, and 
took hold of lots of families all over. And then um, I wrote the book as a, a resource for families who really wanted to make this read aloud thing happen consistently in their homes, even when schedules are tight or kids are resistant and all those other obstacles that come up. So we are um, we're having a conversation with Sarah McKenzie. The book is The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids. The website is readaloudrevival.com. There's also a page on Facebook, Read Aloud Revival. I'm just going to say there's tons of really great free downloadable resources. I think one of the questions that we often get, um, Sarah, is, all right, well, I don't have any idea what to read at a particular age and stage with my kid. I don't know. I didn't, you know, I didn't homeschool. I wasn't homeschooled. Um, you know, the books that we read were in uh, in the library at my school or they were on the back shelf in my classroom um, and we did SRA readers and you went at your own pace and there were questions. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, reading in the home with our kids can be I know it sounds crazy, but like it can be a little intimidating because we don't even know where to start. Talk about the list that you've made for us and then the five questions that we're going to, you know, we're going to review every time we read something together. Okay. So I have a very vivid memory of going to the library when my oldest Audrey, she's now 20, when she was one and I went to the local library and I wanted to get some board books or picture books to read with her. And I have her slung on my hip and I walk into the children's section of the library and I am completely overwhelmed because there are bazillions of books in there. Some of them are face out. Most of them are not. And I know intuitively that some of these are better than others because some of Mm -hmm. them make me want to poke my eyeballs out when I'm reading them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And others are really quite delightful. I don't mind reading them again and again. But I couldn't figure out what was the difference. And so I, I, this is a common experience. And I think sometimes we think, oh, I just don't know how to, how to see a good book because I don't know. It really just comes with practice. So what we did at Read Aloud Revival is created book lists and recommendations that are very likely to be wins. So, of course, your mileage may vary because you're going to have different tastes. We all have different tastes and our kids have different reading tastes. But we assembled some book lists that will help parents and kids find books that are very likely to become favorites. The ones that then mm-hmm. when they, you know, look back on them 20 years from now, they'll go, yeah, that was one of my very favorites. And then one of my favorite tools we made that's free and that's at readaloudrevival.com is uh, a quiz where you can just tell us it takes maybe two minutes. You just say how old your kids are, whether you want a quick win like a very short book or you want something that'll take you a longer period of time maybe you're going on vacation on a road trip and you want something longer for an audiobook or something and then what kind of book you're in the mood for a classic something with fantasy in it something historical and then we give you three recommendations that are Amazing. very likely to be wins and so that's, that's one of my that's favorite so fun. resources hey we have to take a very very brief ba- break sarah when we come back will you um share with us the five questions because this was one of my favorite resources um that i downloaded from readaloudrevival.com these five questions that it doesn't feel like an interrogation it feels like an exploration and an entry point to a conversation with my child about what we've read aloud so can we do the five questions when we come back all right we're talking with sarah mckenzie readaloudrevival.com is the website everything there is free the book is the read aloud family making meaningful and lasting connections with your kids Picking up where we left off with Sarah McKenzie, readaloudrevival.com is the website you're looking for. You're going to want to take the quiz that will help you identify books that are just exactly at the right 
place for you and your child in terms of reading aloud. And Sarah, share with us the five questions that are going to help us get into conversations with our kids as opposed to, I don't know, what kind of feels like sometimes an interrogation. It's true. Actually, I think if a lot of us think back to our own reading experience as kids, this idea of like reading a book and then answering questions like, where did this story take place? Or where did Laura go after she left the cabin and went out with Mary? Like those kind of books that have these finite closed right and wrong answers feel like a quiz or an interrogation, like you say, because we're answering questions that were formulated in order to find out if we read the book. And that has a place in a classroom, but for the most part within the family, a better question is something that's open-ended. So something where there's not a right or wrong answer, but we're just wanting to have this open and free kind of conversation. Like if you and I were talking about a book we both enjoyed, Carmen, I might say, tell me something you remembered from it or what did you really like about it? But I wouldn't interrogate you about whether or not you read the book, right? Because that doesn't even seem very friendly. So we have a resource on our website easiest place to get it is probably readaloudrevival.com slash 166 because it was episode 166 where I talked about it. And it gives you these five open-ended questions. And the really cool thing about these questions are that they can be used with any age child with any book and they'll be just equally effective. So I'll just jump into them if that's okay, Carmen. And, and yeah. we can, um, okay. I love so that. One I, the- have my, I have my bookmark out and ready. Awesome. Okay. So the first question, one that I love to ask is, should he or she have done that? So you can ask this question about any character in a book. So if we're thinking about Little House on the Prairie, we can say, you know, should the Ingalls family have continued on the trail without their bulldog Jack when he got lost? Why or why not? There's going to be reasons why they should have and reasons why they shouldn't have. And so your child is not going to feel like they're answering a question to get tested. It's more like a, I want to know what you think about this. And it kind of opens up this conversation. You could do this with anything. So why should this character, whatever book you just read, have done that? And you don't even have to read the whole book in order to have this kind of conversation. You could read a chapter. You could read a picture book. Should Streganona have left Big Anthony on his own with her pasta pot? <laughs> Was that a good idea? And, and see where that leads you. So a should he or she have done that is a great question that you can ask a about any story because in every story characters are making decisions sometimes they're good often they're not (laughs) so the first of the five questions is should he or she have done that the next question is 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 a like or different kind of question how is x like y or how is x different from y and that helps i think you know us recognize sameness and differentness in character in attributes in actions in all kinds of things that conversation could go anywhere it could go anywhere and it really helps our kids tune into this world of metaphor because everything in the world is like everything else in some ways and everything is different from everything else in some ways. And it's really the key to thinking about how things are alike and different that helps us become good communicators. This is how we communicate in writing and in speech, even if we don't really know it. That's how it works. So even a question like, if we're thinking of the classic Heidi, you know, how is Heidi's life with grandfather the same as her life in Frankfurt when she gets moved to the city? And how is it different? Those Mm. questions, you can take that with a setting. You can take it with two characters. How is Winnie the Pooh like Piglet? How are they different? Um, You could compare characters or settings or things that happen or even stories. How is this story like another story that you've read and how is it different? 
The next question is really about attributes. So who in this story was, and then let's fill in the blank, courageous, cowardly, loyal, generous, kind. I mean, on and on and on. You give us lots of prompts there. What what are we seeking here in terms of pr- provoking a conversation with our child? Well, I confess this is my very favorite question because you can ask who is the most courageous in this story and get a different answer from each of your kids probably. And then you can ask them what did they do that made made them so courageous or that they, that showed that courage. Um, you could do it with, like, I, like you mentioned, any attribute. We have a whole bunch of different character traits in the guide that you can use. I like this question because even if you haven't read this story with your kids and you just want to have a conversation with them. So let's say you see your child is reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but you haven't read it. And so you want to talk to them about it. You can say, hey, tell me who the most courageous is in that story so far. And then they'll say... They might say the fawn. They might say Lucy. They might say anything, right? Uh, And you can say, okay, you think the fawn is the most courageous. So what what do they do that's so courageous? What I like about this question is that especially if you haven't read the story with your child and you're just wanting to have a conversation about the book, it feels so friendly. And your child knows that you haven't read the book, and so there isn't a right or wrong answer. But they really have to think through what the character's choices are and also what happened in the story to prove that point. Basically, what we're asking our child to do is give textual evidence, which is something they're going to do in their college papers forever, right? (laughs) Is give evidence from the text that supports their claim. So if I claim that the fawn is the most courageous, now I've got to tell you why. What did the fawn do that was so courageous? Yeah. And I may come back around and say, no, the most courageous was Peter. And we're going to have a conversation about that then. So yeah, I love that. Okay. Um, The last two questions are, what other story does this one remind you of? And what is something you don't want to forget? These are so great because this is like the sticky part, um, comparing one thing we've read to other things we've read, and then the stickiness of this story. What about this do I want to remember? Yeah, this what other story does this one remind you of can just be really helpful to help your child make connections between and remember stories that they've read before. And you can even just say, you know, does this story remind you of anything else? Does this story remind you of any fairy tale or fable we've read? Um, And you can also say, let's say you've read Heidi together. And then the next book that you've read on listened to on audiobook is The Secret Garden. You can say, hey, does this book remind you of Heidi in any way? Or Mm. is it In what ways does it remind you of? And that can kind of keep those stories that you've shared together or that they've read together top of mind. But the what is something you don't want to forget is a very powerful question, I think, because we kind of forget that when our kids are learning, the best lessons, the most important things they're learning aren't necessarily the same things we are teaching or foisting upon them, but it's sort of the connections they're making inside their own mind. And so when we ask them, what's something you don't want to forget? We're asking them, what's something that matters a lot to you about this story? Not necessarily, what do you think I want to hear? Sorry for the dogs in the background in the studio, (laughs) if you guys heard them. Um, Sarah McKenzie, uh, as always, thank you so much. This is so fun. The website is readaloudrevival.com. The book is The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful and Lasting Connections with Your Kids. You guys can check it all out at readaloudrevival.com. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Do you believe redemption is possible? Like real redemption? Like for a person really broken? Do you believe that? I mean, redemption from a childhood of neglect or trauma? Redemption from a life of drugs and crime and prison? 
I mean, do you believe redemption is possible from a life like that? Do you believe Jesus can do today what Jesus did for the men and women that he delivered from all manner of brokenness and oppression and possession and even death? I mean, do you believe Jesus actually redeems people today? Really broken people. Really? I have living proof. Her name is Jody, and she's joining us next. This is Max Lucado. Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? Flip back the flaps of your soul, and you'll see a series of beliefs that serve like poles to stabilize the tent of your life and faith. Your belief system is your answer to fundamental questions about life. Is anyone in control of the universe? Does life have a purpose? Is this life all there is? Your belief system has nothing to do with your skin color, your appearance, your talents, or your age. It is the set of convictions, all of them unseen, upon which your life depends. If your belief system is strong, you will stand. If it is weak, the storm will prevail. Belief always precedes behavior. To change the way a person responds to life, change what a person believes about life. So, who do you believe Jesus is? This is Max Lucado. Jody Ballinger joins us now. She's going to talk with us about her life story. It is a redemptive, um, just incredible testimony. Beautifully Unbroken is the book. And you might remember her last name. Her husband, Billy, was on the program last year. Jody, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thank you so much for having me this morning. Absolutely. I am looking forward to people hearing your story. Um, so I want to start at the end, if that's okay, um, or at least at the present, yeah. the present moment. So before we talk about, you know, where you've come from, I want to talk about like the glory of God manifest in your life now so that we can, you know, make Jesus the hero of all of this. Is that okay? Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. All right. So just give us a little window into your life today. Okay. Um, my husband uh, is a um, musician. Uh, we were blessed to, be, to go on Winter Jam a few years ago. Um, my children, our children, are uh, grown. Uh, we have five grandchildren, and we what? are living a Because you look like teenagers. Life. All right. Well, you look very young. <laughs> well, thank All right. You, you have we five grandbabies. Young, so. That's amazing. Yes. All right. So five grandbabies. That's awesome. Um, so if you're listening right now, the title of Jody's book is going to tell you a lot. Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. So if you're thinking to yeah. yourself that there might be some little ears in the house or the car, um, then either put your earbuds in or listen to the remainder of this conversation as a rebroadcast podcast on the Faith Radio app or later at MyFaithRadio.com. Because I want to say in advance, Jody's life as a child um, is not what a child's life is supposed to be. And Jody's experiences um, may also serve as a trigger if if you have experienced childhood trauma. So I want to be very sensitive um, to how you may hear this if you're listening right now. Um, and, and I want you to just sort of gauge along the way as you're listening how, how you're feeling um, about the story that she's uh, sharing. 
Jody, um, let's do this. Your life um, intersects with Billy's story as teenagers, but I want to go yes. back to when you were a little girl. So can you share with us what you're comfortable sharing on air about your experience as a child? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so uh, one of my um, earliest memories, when I was around three or four years old, I have um, older sister and brother. And so um, my older brother, which is about nine years older than me, um, there was a friend of his that would lure me outside um, to our campfire and uh, he would abuse me. Um, that's starting at four. Um, that kind of just with different people along the way, um, I felt like I had something on my forehead saying, you know, touch me. Mm-hmm. Um, so from four uh, all the way up, when I was nine years old, um, my mom left my dad. So me and my two sisters, uh, she moved us into her sister's house, which was in the ghetto of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, once we got there, um, found out that her sister and her husband were huge drug uh, drug dealers. And when I say huge drug dealers, I mean 13-gallon trash bags filled to the top with marijuana. When you would open up the refrigerator, instead of seeing food, you would see um, mason jars with every kind of different pill you can think of. Um, And so within a week, now mind you, I'm nine years old. I'm in the third grade. Within a week, I was smoking pot and popping pills. Uh, When I was 11 years old, Um, that's when I went to juvenile detention for the first time. And that, um, detective that took me there, he said, Jody, you better straighten up. Um, at 14 years old, I have now, can we just, can I just pause you there and ask you, like, I, I'm just thinking to myself to say that to a child who has been raised in this environment I don't even know how a person would translate that. I mean, straighten right. up, straighten up against what, uh, what, I mean, yes. and how, and I'm a kid. I got to have, I, I mean, these are all the resources I know. This is actually what I think is normal. That's right. It was extremely yeah. normal to me. And I can see um, other people, especially in school, I could see uh, kids that had loving parents and I did not have that. I so badly wanted it, but I, you have what you have, right? And you mm-hmm. only know what you know. And mm-hmm. so, yes. So when he's saying you better straighten up, um, uh, by the time I was 14, I was in and out of juvenile over and over again, uh, children's homes several times. Uh, I had um, been one of the first people to go through the scared straight program where they actually take you in a prison and the women start, uh, you know, tell you to straighten up and be good for your parents or else you're going to um, be in prison. And here I am 13, not knowing that in uh, six years, I was going to be in that prison as an inmate. But Mm. at the time, as a 13-year-old, I'm thinking, oh, there's no way I'd never come here. You know, um, you don't think that things can escalate that quickly, but they can. So by the time I was 14 years old, I was on meth. Um, I um, 
was uh, just living a crazy life. Now, mind you, uh, in a normal family, you're going to sit down, have dinner, you have a bedtime. I had none of that. Um, so I could stay out all night. Uh, never, you know, it was not a big deal. And I so desperately needed structure in my life. I needed someone um, to love me. And so um, as I go through my book, it is exactly, um, actually, I, I left several things out. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> but No, th um, thank you. I think, I think you wrote it with an audience in mind, and I, I appreciate your sensitivity to that. Let me just remind everybody, we're talking with Jody Bollinger. We're talking about her book, Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. Um, Jody, let's uh, let's fast forward to juvenile facility in Indiana where you met a boy. Yes. Okay. So um, right after um, when I was fourteen, um, I had ran away. So they were like, "Okay, you've been in our juvenile system. You've been in and out of children's homes. So we need to actually send you um, out of county to a different facility." And when I got there. It was a faith-based facility. And I had, they showed me such love. And to a kid that did, was not loved, it was amazing to me. But I was like really hardcore from just having to kind of raise myself since nine. So I don't know that I ever told them how much that meant to me. But, oh, my goodness, they sowed a seed um, that I believe I'm experiencing today. They sowed that seed of love. Um, and so when I got there, um, the uh, guys were on one side of the campus, the girls were on the other side of the campus, and you kind of really didn't mix, but there was a place that you, that um, both boys and girls could get together, and that was choir. So I'm like, I want to be in choir. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in choir. And no so... Um, I actually met Billy in choir and um, we started dating. Now there, um, it was Sunday evenings. You can sit together for an hour um, over um, at the cafeteria with a lot of eyes on you. And, um, and so Billy would actually have to write a formal letter requesting that I uh, go to the mix with him. And so they were trying to teach us the correct way to do things. Mm. And, um, and so after Billy was there, I was there for 14 months, Billy was there for 15 months. So, um, now I'm 16 years old. Um, and I live in Muncie, Indiana. Billy lives in Franklin, Indiana, which is about an hour, um, away from each other. And, uh, and then Billy decided at that point, um, oh, he told his family about me and they were like, no big deal. Um, you'll get over her. Well, he actually ran away to be with me and he moved right into our home. Um, and he was um, on the run until he was 18. Um, once he turned to 18, we got married about six months later. Uh, we had already planned the wedding. Um, and then our daughter was born um, about four months later. But All right. So let's hit the, the let's hit let's hit the pause button. Oh, let's hit the pause. We got to hit the pause button because we have to take a very, very brief um, pause in the conversation because okay. I think that um, we want to get 
to the part of the story where a SWAT team raids your house and you lose custody of that baby girl. Um, Because I think that people need to understand then what happened at that gas station and how your life really um, changed. So we're going to continue our conversation with Jody Ballinger in just a moment. She is the author of Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. It's like the prize, sunrise, waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Jody Ballinger have more, uh, and I have more in common than she knows. I was born in Muncie, Indiana, and lived on Riggin Road. Um, oh my, my mom, my mom grew up in Muncie as well, and my uh, uncle Jim still lives there. So, um, yeah, I know a lot about the world at least part of the world from which you come, but it's a very, very different place than it was when I, you know, lived there as a very small child in the late 60s. So um, Jody is sharing with us her story, her testimony. It is incredibly redemptive. The book is Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. Jody, take us to the part of the story where uh, a SWAT team raids your house and you lose custody of your baby girl. Okay, I, um, our daughter, Mindy, was nine months old. Um, since she had been born, I, she was attached to me at the hip. And um, Billy and I are, um, we sm- we're smoking a lot of pot. Um, and Ashley, Billy is dealing, but not big time dealing, just like a, um, you know, just a little bit to, um, for us to make some money. And, um just all kinds of um, felons coming in and out of our home. Um, And here, this is normal to me. Billy came. He was a pretty good kid. He came to my house, and he went down very quickly. Um, He fell into that world of drugs and just being the tough guy. And um, so here we are. um, It's September 12, 1988. Um, We are in our house. Um, Two of my friends were skipping school at uh, our house. We were getting high together here. My baby girl's right in front of me, and uh, we're smoking pot right in front of her. And Billy's in the bathtub, and um, all of a sudden, uh, police bust in our door, and, um, and they take my two friends out, take Billy out. And here I am holding Mindy on my hip and the same detective that told me at 11 years old, Jody, you Mm. better straighten up. He's the same detective that came, walked into our house, took Mindy out of my arms at nine months old. And he said, Jody, you should have straightened up and walked out the door with her. Oh my goodness, my world was over. I knew at that point I was going to do anything possible um, to get her back because she was my world. When at, when I was growing up, I was not the little girl that dreamed, you know, that I was going to marry a man and we'd be get be together our whole lives. In my world, your marriage lasted maybe a year or two and then he was going to hop down the street with another girl. That's just how it was in my neighborhood. So mm-hmm. I didn't have high hopes of anything other than that, but I knew that no one could take away my child except so, they just took away my child. Yeah, and so I'm so going to I knew that I, I was going to do anything. I'm going to I'm going to move us through um okay. quickly here to, to because I want you to talk about 
um, bond. Well, you bonded out of jail and you got a job at a gas station um, where you've been robbed at gun. Yeah, where you've been robbed at gunpoint a number of times. Billy leaves rehab to get you out of that environment, but he didn't have a job either. What happened in the gas station um, on that day? Um, Okay, and so um, we go to the gas station to pick up um, a check, my check, and we're waiting there. Well, the mail had not delivered it yet. And so we're just waiting around, and a guy comes in, and he's like, my my, uh, truck's overheating. Can I get some water? And so I uh, give him the water. He comes back in a few minutes later, kind of scratching his head going, my vehicle's fine. I don't know what that was. And he overhears Billy saying, come on, Jody, we got to go because I need a job. And he said, jo- he said, uh, do you need a job? And he said, yes. And he says, I'm going to give you a job right now. And he hired Billy right there on the, on the spot. So he had the hook in his mouth. And then he, uh, he said, Hey, um, Now, do you guys go to church anywhere? Easter's coming up. And here I'm like, no, we're not going anywhere. We'd love to go. And (laughs) you're like, like, anything, giving him a job, anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And uh, Billy's kind of like rolling his eyes like, oh, don't tell this man that we're going to, you know, start going to church. And then so the guy says, "Okay, well, um, you start tomorrow. Hey, by the way, can me and my wife come over to your house tonight? And see, we are a whole hour away from Muncie. We don't have any friends. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So here they come over. He sits in the uh, living room with Billy. Uh, me and his wife go in our kitchen, but we don't, I don't have a kitchen table. We're so we're sitting on the floor in the kitchen and she starts telling me about the second coming of Christ. And mm-hmm. I'm like, pray with me now because I know it's going to happen any second. <laughs> And so I rededicate my life right there on the kitchen floor. Um, We start, we go to their little church, um, which is, this is amazing. The gas station was all the way across town. We live in Fountain Square and the little church was just right outside of Fountain Square within probably six blocks from our house. And so we pull up to this little church and it is just bouncing. I mean, the music's so loud and we walk in the doors and we feel like a million needles sticking through us. And guess Mm. where that couple was? The very front row. They see us, they pull us up to the front row and Billy all the way through it. He's like, we're not coming back. We're not coming Mm -hmm. back. And I'm like, okay, okay. But you know what? We went back every single time. We started opening our Bible and I would read, um, I would read a section and I would say, did you get anything out of that? And he's like, no, I don't understand it. So then he'd read it. And I'm like, I don't understand it, but guess what? We kept reading and we kept going back to church. And I mean, for at least the first four times, he would always say, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. That couple ended up, um, I'm a uh, me and Diana are best friends till this day. Um, Jeff, they are in our lives and our whole life because Jeff stepped out, gave him a job because Billy wouldn't have listened to him had he not given yeah. him a job. I love the, I love, I mean, there's so many good, I know we have to leave it right there because we're running out of time here at the end of the hour, but um, I love, you have so many details in, um, in the book. The book is 
beautifully unbroken. The prostitute's daughter, um, Jody Ballinger, is the author. Uh, Jody, thank you so much. I love the story about you know what can you do? I can dig a hole. I, I just there's so many parts of it. Um, you guys, yeah. you're gonna want to grab it. No question about it. Beautifully unbroken. Jody, thank you for sharing your um, your redemptive story with us and making Jesus um, the you. hero of it. I, I just thank you. I couldn't I couldn't love you more. Thank you, dear. Oh, thank. You. We'll be right back. What's your story of redemption? I want you to spend some time today thinking about your story, your life before Christ, how you met Him, who walked with you along different parts of that journey, and if I asked you to tell me your story. Could you do it? Would you know how? Would you know how to do it making Jesus the main character, the protagonist, the hero? If not, then whose story are you really telling out there in the world? And ultimately, what's the point of that? Let's make Jesus the hero of our redemptive stories today. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.